Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Uh, man, um, two presidents, basically, one massive global pandemic. Uh, I feel like this would all be a lot easier for you to cover if there were just two Dan Diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel every day like I could use an extra, extra Dan, Dan Diamond, Diamond or two. Or two. Um, why, why, why settle at one? one? Like, like, can give me like five. five. I feel like this is a movie plot. Yeah. To happen. Or isn't there like a Michael Keaton movie in, in this vein? Mul- multiplicity, I think is what it was called. Doug, see, what we did was we made a copy from two. And you know how sometimes you make a copy of a copy. It's not quite as sharp as, well, the original. Well, that's kind of what happened. We'll, we'll reach out to him and get him to uh, play the part of Dan Diamond in this Hollywood blockbuster that's that's coming. He would not have been my first choice for me, but I really feel like you can't choose... Uh, who would play you? Who would play you in the Hollywood movie? Who who would play me? All I need is a voice. Um, <laughs> let's go with like Morgan Freeman, maybe. After being perched atop their mother's feet for a thousand paces, the chick takes his first steps alone. I think I think you could pull off the uh, the Jeremy Siegel voice. <laughs> this year, to me, you have been a little bit like Scarlett Johansson in her. I mean. The DNA of who I am is based on the millions of personalities of all the programmers who wrote me. That's really weird. Is that weird? Do you think I'm weird? <laughs> the disembodied voice that I hear every so often telling me to do things like turn on my microphone and <laughs> record some copy. So I, I can see it. I think uh, this will be the first and only time I'll, I'll be compared to uh, Scarlett Johansson in my life. So at least I have that one. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Siegel, not Scarlett Johansson. Sorry to disappoint. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Dan Diamond on President Trump and President-elect Joe Biden's simultaneous responses to the coronavirus pandemic and how the two teams are and are not working together in the weeks before Biden takes office. So to to get into these two worlds that sadly only one of you is reporting on, um, we'll start with President Trump, the current White House. What are President Trump and his team doing right now? Well, I think if you want to know what President Trump is doing right now, you got to look at his Twitter feed because he's pretty transparent <laughs> about what he's focused on, which is mostly combating the election, questioning the results, insinuating fraud when there has really been no sign of it on a major scale, nothing that would overturn the election. Um, In fact, virtually no fraud uh, that's meaningful at all. But I think you have to separate the president from his team. At a lower level, senior officials like Alex Azar, the health secretary, or even Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, they are pushing on coronavirus issues. We wrote a story this week, uh, my colleagues Adam Kankren, Sarah Overmall, and me, on the frustrations that the vaccine isn't coming even faster. So there are people who are deeply involved in COVID and other policy priorities. The real shame is that the president isn't using his bully pulpit to go out and warn Americans every single day about the pandemic and urge his supporters to take the right steps to protect themselves. He's using his bully pulpit to try and shade how people think about the election. So on the other hand, you have 
President-elect Joe Biden, who is going out there and warning Americans about the pandemic. Things are going to get much tougher before they get easier. And that requires sparing no effort to fight COVID. What are Biden and his team doing right now? Biden himself is making very carefully scripted appearances. In my mind, Jeremy, it's the opposite of what President Trump is doing. We've had years and years of unscripted access to Trump on Twitter, in press scrums. He'll be walking somewhere. He'll stop and argue with reporters. The upside of that is we got a sense quite often what the president was thinking, saying, doing. We're not going to get that with Biden the same way. It is being filtered very deliberately to the press. On his lower level, below him, his team is currently vetting hundreds, if not thousands of people for administration jobs. They're looking to fill some very big jobs this month. We expect potentially a nomination for HHS secretary. But that's where the Biden team's energy is largely focused, on getting people into place and trying to get ready to hit the ground running in January. Last week, President Trump came as close as we've seen him so far to actually conceding the election. And his head of the General Services Administration finally signed off on the official presidential transition, letting Biden and his team access resources and coordinate with the White House and more ahead of when they're going to take office in January. Do you think we're seeing more coordination between these two teams on coronavirus as a result of that step? Coordination probably oversells what's actually happening. Is there access that wasn't available before? Absolutely. I was not asked about this, but uh, I do want to let you know that consistent with the GSA administrator's ascertainment yesterday, uh, last night, our top career official, Rear Admiral Schwartz, who has been leading our trans transition planning efforts, was last night uh, in communication with the Biden transition team. Secretary Azar, the health chief, said within hours of that GSA determination that he was going to make health officials available. Uh, we are immediately getting them all of the pre-prepared transition briefing materials. Uh, we uh, will ensure coordinated briefings with them to ensure they're getting whatever information that they feel they need. And that did lead to Biden's team finally getting access to resources, to materials. I wrote a story last week about the Biden team finally getting an Operation Warp Speed briefing. That's the effort that the Trump administration started that will likely get handed over in January to Team Biden. But the effort to rush coronavirus vaccines, rush coronavirus treatments to market. So it sounds like we, in effect, have sort of two presidents working on this pandemic right now, one of them not really saying much about it, one of them saying more, and then their teams kind of working together on all of this behind the scenes. I mean, I got to ask, like, if this were any other president than President Trump, who, you know, hasn't followed precedent, who's who's been a pretty unusual president in the grand scheme of things, if it were any other president, how do you think this situation would be playing out right now with the pandemic? Well, we don't have to go to a hypothetical. I was looking this morning at a story in The New York Times from 12 years ago, around this time, the end of November 2008. Barack Obama was the president-elect he had just run a campaign where he repudiated George W. Bush. George W. Bush was enemy number one to Obama and, and his voters. And yet, the headline in the New York Times, Obama and Bush working to calm volatile market. The two teams, the White House team and the incoming team, 
were addressing the economic crisis together. And that is not what is happening here. While there are some coordination efforts behind the scenes, it's very different than having this joint front. And you can trace a lot of that back to President Trump and how he has put a stamp on everything that his administration has done and the loyalists he has who are determined not to be helpful, frankly. Is there any danger to this, like having these different messages, having these different teams, having this lack of coordination? Does this lead to, say, like confused messaging and confusion for Americans or have any like tangible effect on when we might get a vaccine? That's a really big question. So I want to take it in parts. I think that there is risk to Americans, as there has been the past year during COVID, that we're not all getting the same message on what's happening with the pandemic. Policy-wise, there is going to be continuity, I think, on the big things like vaccine rollout. But politically, I, I do think we're going to see a lot of risk here. We've already seen a lot of political messaging since the election. Every day that the Trump administration didn't make its experts available, that President Trump refused to concede, Joe Biden's advisors, his advocates, people like Hillary Clinton, were taking to the media and saying, lives are being lost because we're not able to get up to speed on what the Trump team is doing on COVID. Now, to some extent, I think that was overblown. I'm, I'm not sure how much it matters if Biden's advisors didn't know on November 10th or November 15th what the White House was doing on COVID. But I, I could see everyday passing making the risk even more severe. The Biden team wants to hit the ground running and you need to have weeks, months of briefings to really understand what decisions need to be made. So days do matter. But I, I don't think it mattered quite as much as the Biden team was portraying it as. And the way I see it as a Politico reporter, Jeremy, is there's already jockeying around who is going to own the political pain of the pandemic. The Biden team very much does not want to own that until January. And the more that they can put on the Trump administration, and rightly so, in that the Biden team isn't making the big decisions right now, the more that Joe Biden and his allies think they'll be able to step in and succeed politically if they're seen as riding to the rescue. Dan Diamond, there's only one of you, but I'll, uh, I'll give my thanks twice here. Thank you. Thank you for talking with me. <laughs> Jeremy Siegel, thanks for being the uh, disembodied voice in my earbuds every every midweek. It's always great catching up with you. Also today, former President Barack Obama is urging people to take a coronavirus vaccine that's deemed safe by top public health officials. In an interview with Sirius XM set to be released today, Obama said he would have full faith in Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, if he backed the latest vaccines as safe and effective. The remarks come as several candidates for vaccines are showing promising signs of effectiveness, and Britain is granting emergency authorization for a vaccine developed by Pfizer and BioNTech. Obama says he's cognizant of suspicion in the African-American community toward rapidly developed vaccines, particularly considering the country's history of medical abuse. But he urged people of color to take the vaccine if it is approved and dubbed safe, noting the higher rates of infection and death among Latino, Indigenous, and Black Americans. And 
Senator Dianne Feinstein is publicly throwing her support behind California Secretary of State Alex Padilla filling fellow California Senator Kamala Harris's soon-to-be-vacant seat, a signal that Padilla remains a favorite of California's Democratic establishment. The jostling over the seat has intensified in recent weeks as President-elect Joe Biden's victory has ensured that Governor Gavin Newsom will appoint a replacement for Harris when she steps aside to take on the vice presidency. Padilla has long been perceived as the frontrunner, and Feinstein's support, which was first reported by HuffPost, lends additional momentum to his bid. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And to stay up on all of our latest reporting on the pandemic, sign up for the Politico Pulse newsletter, which is co-authored by Dan Diamond and Adam Kankren from Politico's health team. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.